You're listening to Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 FM KCSU Fort Collins for Tuesday, January 23rd. I'm Lee Zimpel, your news director. And I am Tyler Weatherwax, your assistant news director. And we are the voices behind the Rocky Mountain Review news broadcast that airs every Tuesday and Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. As always, we here at the Rocky Mountain Review strive to give you the most up-to-date, unbiased, and factual news. On today's show, part of campus experienced a power outage last week, and construction on one of CSU's most important buildings has begun. More on this in Campus News with Tyler. And a local power supplier was sent a warning letter from Colorado lawmakers telling them to lower their carbon emissions based on a state law. This and more with Lee in Local News. Then Tyler covers the closing of some familiar restaurant favorites and more in our new segment, Life and Events. Later on in the broadcast, newspapers were stolen in a small Colorado mountain town after publishing a controversial front story page. Learn more in National News with Lee. And with that, we'll get started with Campus News. Hello, I'm Tyler Weatherwax, and this is your Colorado State University Campus News. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. International students at Colorado State University for the past several years have seen dips in enrollment here at the university. According to an article from The Collegian, this trend has been nationwide after the COVID-19 pandemic. In 2016, CSU had 2,400 international students, and now that number is around 1,850. While significantly lower than 2016, international student enrollment has actually increased from the lowest points of enrollment, where at one point in, those, where in, one point in time, those numbers were as low as 1,400 students. Colorado State University's International Student and Scholar Services on campus help incoming international students with their visa application and with the interview process. The U.S. Department of Energy announced it will be funding millions to the Colorado State University's Fusion Energy Hub. The new hub will be looking into ways to develop a more carbon-friendly energy source with a process called fusion. The exciting new technology will be receiving $16 million from the Department of Energy. Do you ever feel like you're paying too much for your textbooks? Well, ASCSU has taken on a new goal of eliminating taxes on textbooks students are purchasing for classes here at CSU. Colorado State University Office of Financial Aid lists on, it web, lists on its website that the cost of textbooks for undergraduate students is $1,200 during the nine-month academic year. As for graduate students, that cost is listed as $720. Veterinary students, though, had the highest cost at $1,680. The effort to remove taxes comes from ASCSU President Nick DeSalvo's push to make college more affordable. If you were on the west side of campus Wednesday morning, you may have noticed the lights were out. A power outage occurred last week here on campus that affected Moby Arena, Canvas Stadium, and even a few residential halls including Durward, Westfall, Summit, Ingersoll, Edwards, and Newsom. According to an article by the Coloradoan, the power outage lasted around 40 minutes and CSU sent a warning message. The outage was caused by not was the outage was caused not by a city issue, but rather an issue with the school's own power, where a switch vault was flooded. And finally, one of CSU's most used buildings will be undergoing renovations to help keep it a staple of CSU education. The Andrew G. Clark building has been fenced off in wings A and B, keeping students and staff away from the construction. The renovations were supposed to begin sooner, but the COVID-19 pandemic paused the project. Plans for the building are to completely renovate Clark A and B, leaving C as 
it currently is. Clark A is planned to be complete has planned to be complete in 2025 and Clark B is planned for a 2027 completion date. Now coming up next with Lee is the recent cold and how it has impacted the community and what the dangers are with remaining outside in freezing temperatures. I'm Lee, I'm Lee Zimpel, and these are your local news updates. This gets its power from Platte River Power Authority, or PRPA, this wholesale power supplier, which is an important one for a good chunk of northern Colorado, is now facing pressure from Colorado lawmakers to lower its carbon emissions. Last month, officials sent a warning letter to PRPA asking if the power supplier would comply with a state law from last year. The law pushes electric providers to make greenhouse gas improvements in phases before the year 2030. The concern PRPA could fall behind on this goal could be coming from plans to build a about a $240 million worth of new gas-fired turbines. The turbines would produce electricity in the case of a dark calm, which is when wind and solar sources are not able to produce. Even though PRPA has a goal of being 100% carbon-free by 2030, the power supplier plans to follow through on building the gas turbines. In response to the letter, possibility of that goal, PRPA says it will comply with the state. The law in question went into effect last summer, and it requires PRPA to look at two different clean energy plans. One plan has to show how PRPA could cut emissions in half by 2027. The second plan has to show how it could cut them even more. The letter to PRPA was signed by a handful of Fort Collins officials. So far, officials are saying PRPA's clean energy plan for this year does not show how it would comply with the law. The letter is asking the utility to change that plan and warns it's falling behind other suppliers in the state. The letter says, quote, currently out of the six Colorado utilities that have filed clean energy plans, PRPA is dead last in reducing CO2 emissions and is projected to remain in last place through 2029. PRPA's Director of Public Affairs, Javier Camacho, says that the utility was not required to file a plan in the first place, but that it did to show support for Colorado's clean energy goals. Camacho also says there are large differences between PRPA and the other utilities lawmakers compared it to. PRPA is a wholesale community-owned public utility, while the other utilities it's pitted against are investor-owned, private, and fully integrated. He says that ranking Platte River in last place is a misrepresentation and that PRPA will exceed the state's goal. According to the Coloradoan, groups like the Fort Collins Sustainability Group and Sierra Club are saying the plans to invest in a new gas facility goes against that commitment. PRPA is important to the Fort Collins community, and Larimer County Commissioner Jody Shattuck-McNally says she signed the letter because she believes in PRPA's ability to achieve that goal. Last week, as you might remember, Colorado was hit with a drastic cold spell. In Fort Collins alone, temperatures were consistently dropping below zero. Looking at temperatures recorded from last week, the chilliest low sat at nearly negative 20 degrees. In the wake of that cold spell, the Fort Collins Rescue Mission branched out its services to those who are homeless. The shelter provides a warm place to stay for people in need, and recent temperatures brought the mission to make even more beds available at night. According to CBS News, people needing to escape the cold and can't otherwise have been able to use the rescue mission's resources last week. Two people, Dwayne Barton and Robert Gensman, say they've been able to secure beds in the Fort Collins location. 
Gensman says last week's temperatures are, quote, the killing cold. Barton says people would likely die if they had to sleep outside in those temperatures and that the shelter has kept him alive. On top of providing housing and warmth for those in need, the shelter lets people stay for longer if they commit to maintaining their own sleeping space and if they set and achieve goals. Gensman says he's been able to rely on the shelter while he tries to get back on his feet because it allows him to work during the day and sleep during the night. Staff and volunteers also work to provide people with two hot meals during the day and were able to continue those services in the face of last week's severe cold weather. Those relying on the shelter, especially during cold winter nights, said they were especially grateful for a resource that aimed to improve and maintain their lives while removing the concern of not making it through the night. Gensman says that cold weather is like an anchor for homelessness and that, quote, shelters like this give us the ability to cut those anchors away and get back to having jobs, being on our own, and supporting ourselves. A Wyoming man was arrested in Larimer County last Thursday on charges for kidnapping and assault. The Larimer County Sheriff's Office says just after 5 in the evening Thursday, dispatch got a call about a white Cadillac speeding at about 100 miles an hour south down I-25 near Wellington. Someone also reported seeing a woman waving her hands and yelling for help inside that same car. According to a sheriff's office release, a Larimer County sergeant was able to locate the Cadillac in Wellington and tried to stop it, but the driver refused and drove away. Deputies ended up blocking the I-25 overpass near the Cleveland Avenue exit, stopping the car in a, quote, high-risk traffic stop. The driver and a woman got out of the car, leaving two children inside. Officials identified the driver as 35-year-old Derek Ritchie, who is originally from Wyoming. The release said Ritchie was uncooperative and fought with deputies, but eventually was arrested safely. The struggle ended without any deputy getting injured, and the woman was treated for minor injuries. Ritchie was booked into the Larimer County Jail later that night on a handful of charges including kidnapping, assault, child abuse, and driving under the influence. As made clear by the release, these charges are still accusations and Ritchie is presumed innocent until proven guilty. That'll wrap up local news for now. After the break, you'll learn about some local doors closing and some local doors opening. We'll be back with Tyler for Life and Events News. KCSU is supported by The Armory, supporting live and local music in Fort Collins. Upcoming shows include Steve Poltz on Saturday, February 3rd. Tickets and info at armoryfoco.com. Hello, I'm Tyler Weatherwax with Life and Events. Two restaurants will be closing their doors for good in Fort Collins, according to two articles from the Coloradoan. 
Italian restaurant Marchitelli's Cochina on Harmony Road has already closed. Meanwhile, Jay's Bistro on Oak Street will be closing on January 31st. The restaurant, the restaurant originally opened by a husband and wife duo in 1980. The restaurant posted a message to their Facebook page that reads, We want to thank the Fort Collins community for supporting Jay's for decades. We've decided to close Jay's Bistro on January 31st. We are full of gratitude for all of the support we have received. We hope you will stop in one last time and share your favorite memories of Jay's with us. If you've driven on I-25 recently, you've probably seen the construction of the new Bucky's gas station. The gas station is nearing completion and will serve as a major stopping point on the interstate. According to CBS News, the gas station will be the first Bucky's in Colorado. The company will be holding a hiring event for the new gas station at the Loveland Embassy Suites over a five-day stretch to help staff the new gas wonderland. The hiring event will be necessary as the Northern Colorado location will be one of the largest Bucky's in the United States. The 118th National Western Stock Show took place in Denver, lasting over 16 days. The show ended on Sunday, but this year made the event one to remember. According to 9 News Denver, the year's National Western Stock Show saw some of the coldest temperatures in the show's history, yet this year still saw 671,467 visitors over the 16-day stretch. The show begins next year again on January 11, 2025. Now looking at some events in Fort Collins, you can catch some live music tonight with Hinder and Disco playing at the Aggie Theater tonight starting at 8 p.m. And tomorrow night, make sure to grab your boots as the Aggie Theater will see Giddy Up, a country dance party playing country music favorites and lots of dancing. Coming up next now is, is Lee with your national news covering the odd case of stolen newspapers and more. say anything and you're listening to kcsu welcome back from the break here are some of the stories making national headlines this week a colorado town's newspapers went missing off the racks on the same day a small town paper published a front page story on a rape investigation at a police chief's home over 200 copies of the Uray County Plain Dealer were stolen Friday morning in Uray County, which is a mountain town area in southwest Colorado, home to about 5,000 people. Mike Wiggins is the paper's co-publisher, and according to AP News, he vowed to get to the bottom of it. Wiggins posted on X, formerly known as Twitter, quote, if you hope to silence or intimidate us, you failed miserably. We'll find out who did this. And another press one is, excuse me, another press run is imminent. 
The newspaper posts story on social media and removed its website paywall so people could read it. Wiggins says the rack price for their weekly newspaper costs about a dollar, so that means somebody was dedicated to spending $12 per rack to remove them all. He says the paper took action to counteract this attempt to stop the public from reading about the investigation. The investigation is on felony sexual assault charges filed against three men, including a relative of the police chief. Court records say the charges are coming from an underage party at the police chief's house where drugs and alcohol were used. The paper's owner and publisher said Friday that during the party, the chief was asleep. Court records say the suspects were ages 17, 18, and 19 at the time, and the person who reported the rapes was 17. A garbage bag full of newspapers was returned to the plane dealer by Thursday night, and supporters donated about $2,000 to the paper. Wiggins says the person who returned the papers could be the person who took them that morning, and he believes the person acted alone. Wiggins didn't identify this person, but he did report the information to officials. Based on that, plus some surveillance video, police announced Friday they identified a suspect who will be cited for theft. The statement said this suspect is not a member or relative of local law enforcement and is not associated with the defendants in the sexual assault investigation. In terms of who will be handling the sexual assault investigation itself, the statement said it would be the Colorado Bureau of Investigation. Senators are racing to win support for a border policy deal, and the negotiation is putting U.S. wartime aid to Ukraine in the balance. Negotiators were working on the deal Monday, marking an opportunity for a compromise that has been painstakingly negotiated. A key group of Senate negotiators has been working in private for nearly two months trying to figure out changes to U.S. border and immigration policy. The group hoped to reveal the deal later this week. But Congress is navigating some of the most explosive issues in American politics. Negotiations Monday turned to how the bill could be funded, and that pits two significant values against each other, border security and bolstering U.S. support for Democratic allies. Both political parties are showing doubt. The House is on recess now, but the Senate has a chance this week to get some momentum going. But Republican Senate leaders are saying they don't expect to vote on the bill this week because of the focus on funding. According to AP News, conservative House Speaker Mike Johnson hasn't been very willing to compromise on the policy, and Republican senators want to gain more GOP support to put pressure on Johnson to take it up. Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell is counting on this more unified support for border measures because it could decide the fate of U.S. aid to Ukraine. Part of the urgency is that Ukraine is running low on resources, and there's also a lot of global urgency. In a floor speech, McConnell said, quote, The entire world understands what's at stake here in the Senate in the coming weeks. Biden is requesting emergency funding of a little over $100 billion from Congress to send as wartime aid to both Ukraine and Israel. That money would also go towards allies in the Asian Pacific and would overhaul the U.S. immigration system. That funding package has been delayed for months in Congress, though. Republicans have been pushing for border policy changes to also be included in the package. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says that Biden has made it clear he's willing to work with Republicans in a, quote, big way on border security. Schumer added that Democrats are also serious about getting something done, but that it wasn't a done deal yet. 
Wherever the funding goes and however much each policy gets, it's clear that not everyone in Congress is going to be satisfied when deciding what issue gets how much money Congress is debating on the security of an incomprehensible amount of people both within and outside our country. Fears are growing that Israel's war against Hamas in Gaza will spark a regional conflict. Late Monday, U.S. officials said American and British militaries bombed multiple locations in Yemen. These locations are being used by the Iranian-backed Houthis to attack Israel-aligned ships in the Red Sea. The Houthis in Yemen say their attacks are a response to Israel's bombardment of Gaza and the international failure to put an end to it. The health ministry in Gaza says over 25,000 Palestinians have been killed in the war. Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has vowed to continue the offensive until, quote, complete victory over Hamas, which would include the return of about 100 hostages still held in Gaza. But Netanyahu is now facing pressure from hostages' relatives to make a deal with Hamas to win their loved one's release. There has been mounting calls for a ceasefire, and the pressure continues to significantly build this week. This morning, Israel announced Palestinian militants attacked Israeli forces in Gaza, marking the deadliest attack since the triggering raid early October. Israel's military says 21 soldiers were killed. According to the Associated Press, hours after Israel announced it was attacked, Thick black smoke was rising over Gaza's second largest city as thousands of Palestinians fled south. Witnesses say Israeli tanks and troops also moved into a nearby previously declared safe zone. The U.S. has spent months trying to avoid a regional war, but this latest wave of attack multiple forces could bring that fear closer to reality. As the damage in continues to grow, the damage of war continues to reach past its borders. Information for these national updates all come from the Associated Press. With that, we'll take a break, and we'll come back with the latest in sports with Tyler. Hi, I'm DJ Retrograde, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Welcome back. I'm Tyler Weatherwax with some sports updates. Colorado State University's men's basketball team on Friday night had the largest student attendance ever at Moby Arena with an attendance of 4,410 students for the Orange Out game. CSU beat UNLV 75 in a thrilling game. CSU men's basketball is now ranked 24th by the Associated Press. As for tonight, women's basketball plays Nevada in Reno, and tomorrow night is the men's basketball team also playing Nevada in Reno. The Denver Nuggets won on Sunday when they beat the Wizards 113-104. to Their next game is on the road against the Pacers tonight starting at 5 p.m. Legendary Denver Broncos and Colorado Buffalo sports broadcaster Larry Zimmer passed away last weekend. He was 88. According to CBS, News Zimmer was associated with the Broncos for 52 years, calling some of the team's most memorable moments. He called more than 500 Broncos games, including four Super Bowls, and 486 football games at CU Boulder. 
Zimmer was the voice of many great moments in the Denver Broncos history, and the team honored and remembered him online. That's all for your sports updates. Coming up next is Lee with the weather. This week is looking a lot warmer than last week. Below zero temperatures doesn't set the bar all that high, but it's still shaping out to be much more comfortable. This afternoon we saw a high near 48 degrees and a little bit of wind. It was mostly sunny out, spare a few clouds. Tonight the sky should look a little cloudier as temps drop to about 23 degrees at the lowest. It'll feel a little breezy like earlier today, but winds should be scattered and light. Wednesday, it'll feel familiar. We'll see a partly sunny sky and a high near 50. We'll see some more light winds during the day, which will carry over into the night. The, e the evening, we'll see a low of 21 and partly cloudy skies. Thursday, we'll keep seeing the sun. It'll be mostly sunny as temps reach another high of 48 degrees. It's looking pretty copy-paste here because the breeze should feel pretty similar to how it's been feeling earlier this week. And Thursday night, it'll cool to a low of 26. We'll see a mostly cloudy sky. If you want the rest of this week's forecast, you can get that on Thursday during the next, during the next episode of Rocky Mountain Review. We'll be right here at the same time as always. Information for this forecast comes from the National Weather Service. And that is all for today. We would like to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music. We couldn't do this without you. Finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener, so thank you. If you missed any part of today's show, you can find the RMR podcast on kcsufm.com under the news or podcast section. You can also find us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts by searching KCSU News. And with that, we'll see you next time.